the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. I'm Dennis Prager. I'd like to tell you why I was not here yesterday. Why here, not meaning on Earth. (laughs) Here. Uh, It was uh, here meaning at the radio station, on your radio or podcast or however you hear me. I was in Phoenix, Arizona. There was a five or six hour hearing a joint Senate and House hearing on Arizona State University and does it suppress free speech in light of the Wall Street Journal article in June uh, about Arizona State University's professors who urged people not to attend the talks that Charlie Kirk and I were invited to give and did give, and the amount of efforts that took place to suppress publicity of our coming to speak, the subsequent closing of the institution that actually hosted us at Arizona State, and I want to salute the Republicans of the Arizona legislature for having this hearing, for dedicating a day to it. You can imagine how dedicated I was to going in 24 hours, going there, speaking there. I was, I, I was there for all six hours or five hours. I think it's six hours, actually. Yeah. And it was 119 degrees in Phoenix. 119 degrees is hot. It's it's unearthly hot, although it happens on Earth, but very rarely. I took a picture of it on my car screen, from my car screen, 119 degrees. Let's put it this way. Today it is 77 in Los Angeles. That means it, it is it was 42 degrees hotter than 77. <laughs> is that a good way of putting it? Uh, 42 degrees less than 77 is, is a 35. So 35 is essentially freezing. It's it's a big gap, but it was worth it. It was very important to be there. I will play you my 
my talk. I hope to put it up on the internet within a day, and hopefully many people will see it. What I said to the Democrats and the Republicans, Anthony Kern was the chairman of the session, a state senator in Arizona. I want to publicly salute him for his fight, for his courage. This is this is the type of person we need in political life. They had representatives from Arizona State there. My biggest problem was not, of course, I had no problem with their being there. I'm glad they were. My biggest problem was staying awake. I'm not being cute. You see, word salad uh, puts me to sleep. Whenever asked any penetrating question, they said, we'll get back to you. They had no answers uh, to the most important questions that were posed to them. Well, uh, that's not my area, uh, so I'll get back to you on that. I'll get back to you on that. They'll get back to them by the time the session is over, obviously. It was widely covered, actually, uh, because it is a very big deal. Every every state legislature should have a hearing on free speech, whether it exists uh, in their in their area. The Ar- Arizona, what is AZ Central? Uh, the Arizona what? Uh, Republic, right? Yeah, that's the major paper in Arizona, and I assume it's on the left, right? The, the title was of their piece covering it, Genuine Free Speech Crisis or a Performance, State Lawmakers Probe ASU Incident. The first meeting of a Republican-led legislative committee to investigate free expression in Arizona's public universities either addressed an instance where, quote, free speech was stifled, unquote, or served as, quote, a performance, unquote, depending on whether you ask Republican Senator Anthony Kern or Democratic Representative Annalisa Ortiz. One of the, just, I'm just bringing this because I think you'll find it interesting, one of the Democratic legislators uh, is non-binary. The individual goes by they, not he or she. I don't trust our universities, just period, said Kern, who co-chaired the committee. They do not teach our students well-rounded dialogue so that the student can make the decision on how they want to think and the direction in life they want to take. Technically, he should have said he or she, but they has they has actually three functions, plural of people in the third person. When you are referring to all people, as in this case, or when a person claims to be neither male nor female. I don't believe such a thing. Uh, obviously, I don't believe such a thing. There's no human being who is neither female nor male unless they had ambiguous genitalia, in which case even their chromosomes should tell you male or female. But uh, it, it, it doesn't objectively exist, but it, it's not, not what I want to get into now. The formation of the committee came just weeks after Ann Atkinson, 
the former director of an Arizona State University Center promoting personal development and conservative values. They put in conservative. Right? Is there anything that promotes left-wing values in, in the Arizona uh, Republic's view or, or even liberal? Publicly alleged that she lost her job after bringing several right-wing speakers to campus. The use of the term right-wing would not disturb me if they actually identified professors as left-wing. For all of the uh, left-wing newspapers, New York Times, Washington Post, Arizona Republic, L.A. Times, there is there are right-wing individuals, but there basically are no left-wing individuals. An event the the right-wing speakers to campus in February for an event titled Health, Wealth, and Happiness. The event included speeches from Turning Point USA founder Charlie Kirk, as well as Robert Kiyosaki, founder of a personal finance education company and author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and Dennis Prager, host of a conservative talk radio show. It's funny that they didn't mention Prager U. Isn't that interesting? On Tuesday, Atkinson told lawmakers she experienced condemnation, censorship, and chilling of speech during her time at the university. This situation embodies a free speech crisis woven into the maroon and gold fabric of the university. The university has strongly denied her claims, and so on and so forth. wonder if the guy stayed around for my talk. And the answer is... I don't know what the answer is. Uh, well, that's it. They don't, they don't hang around. You know, it's interesting. It's too bad, because as you will hear later, I uh, I, I pretty much gave a uh, a pretty clear statement of what the professors are like. To say that it is a big issue is to understate the case. Moving on here, a very, uh, a quite remarkable column. Let's see, where is it? Hmm. About the Church of Christ, the United Church of Christ, one of the left-wing Protestant denominations. And the trick is to find it. I just had it up they have uh, what they have come out now and said is uh hmm, mind blowing they actually uh well i'll i'll bring it to you when we come back it's about abortion and other subjects if you want to know why so many churches are closing just look at the united church of christ liberal church body urges funding abortions for pregnant people Wow. Gold dealers are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. What sets these companies apart and whom can you really trust? This is Dennis Prager for AmFed Coin and Bullion. My choice for buying precious metals. When you buy precious metals, it's imperative that you buy from a trustworthy and transparent dealer that protects your best interests. So many companies use gimmicks to take advantage of inexperienced gold and silver buyers. Be cautious of brokers offering free gold and silver or brokers that want to sell you overpriced collectible coins, claiming they appreciate 
create more than gold and silver? What about hidden commissions and huge markups? Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed always have your back. I trust this man. That's why I mention him by name. Nick's been in this industry over 42 years, and he's proud of providing transparency and fair pricing to build trusted relationships. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed Coin and Bullion, 800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com. AmericanFederal.com. Yeah, I read this, and of course it answers the question about why mainstream Protestantism uh, is is dying, just as uh, non-Orthodox Judaism and Judaism is dying. The, the parallels are are, are complete. Uh, their their religion is leftism, uh, but with a facade of the given religion. In one case, Judaism; in one case, Christianity. It's it's hard to believe, actually. They recently passed a measure condemning the Supreme Court's decision last year in Dobbs versus Jackson's Women's Health Organization that overturned Roe v. Wade. But of course, I just want you to understand, it, didn't, it did not make abortion illegal. It simply said people should be able to vote on it in their given states, which is what the Warren Court, one of the most destructive institutions in American history, Earl Warren should be regarded, if you love this country and its values, as a villain. What did Eisenhower say was the biggest mistake he made appointing him? Mm -hmm. Republicans make a lot of mistakes in appointing justices. It's It's a worthy question to pose, which I will talk about some other time. They also voted to, uh, to call on the denomination to financially support abortion access in the measure titled Denouncing the Dobbs Decision and Proclaiming Abortion as Health Care. Well, they did that. What is it? The National Council of Jewish Women did that. I, I wrote about it, and I broadcasted about it. There... There is really nothing that guarantees moral clarity in the human being. It's a conclusion I have drawn after a lifetime of working on the issue of moral clarity. The, you would think that an organization that called itself Jewish or an organization that called itself Church of Christ would have some clarity the vast majority of, of abortions are not moral acts. And you don't have to even be religious to recognize that. Is there any other example in, in life where the worth of, of a human or the worth of whatever you want to call it is completely determined by one person? If the woman wants to give birth, it's a human being infinitely precious. And if she doesn't want to give birth, it's a pimple. Do you realize the logical and moral absurdity of that? You don't have to be Jewish or Christian to, to understand that's absurd. She, she does not have the right to proclaim the worth of what she is carrying. She, she, th- that, is, that is a God-like 
power that human beings don't have. I'm, now, I'm for moral, co- I'm for political compromise on it, because I always believe that the best is the enemy of the better, and because I believe moral improvement is better than utopian dreams. So, how about the first trimester? Uh, you, you can allow it, perhaps, uh, but my, my biggest single recommendation would be that the woman going, not the birthing person, the woman going for an abortion, be fully informed. That's what I would push. Be fully informed about two things. What she is doing. Let there be a video about the, the, the human fetus or the unborn, whatever term you wish to use, and what will happen to it. And then she can consent, at least in the first trimester. Also, in terms of being fully informed, she should be fully informed of options, such as adoption. Just want you to know that if you do give birth to this child, that the one you, you don't want now, please know that there are any number of people, I don't know what the number is, a million 500,000, I don't know, who ache to have that child and love it. I am such a parent. I know of what I speak. The measure passed with 611 delegates voting in favor, 24 against, 13 abstaining. The United Church of Christ has a long, long history, apparently, of being what they call a progressive organization. I just finished the O'Reilly book on the last days of the war in the Pacific. The United Church of Christ condemned the dropping of the atom bomb on Hiroshima as soon as it happened. I'm sure you weren't aware of that, but it makes sense to you. So, I'd like to... I'd like. To devote, we should devote time. I should. I will play the PragerU video, given by a Notre Dame professor, and and priest, and talk about it. What if you could be shown that it saved a million lives? Plus, Japan's behavior in Asia was Nazi-like. You you know how rare it is for me to give Nazi parallel, but it was. The experimentation on human beings, the the comfort women, which I don't think the Nazis had. Maybe they did, I'm not aware of it. Raped by 12 soldiers a day. Tens of thousands of captured women, mostly Korean the hideous experiments and tortures, the slaughtering of prisoners of war. I think I think that those things are worthy of remembrance when one thinks about the morality of Hiroshima. We return.
on my pillow's 20th year anniversary with over 80 million pillows sold mike lindale at my pillow wants to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their my pillows you will receive a queen size my pillow for 19.98 regular price is 69.98 and just ten dollars more for a king size in addition to the anniversary offer you will receive deep discounts on all my pillow products such as the bed sheets mattress toppers pet beds mattresses my slippers which is my favorites and so much more this is the time to try out some of their other amazing products go to mypillow.com and click on the radio podcast square and use promo code brandon to receive this amazing offer on a queen size my pillow for $19.98 or call 800-976-8379 this offer comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee it's time to start getting the quality sleep you deserve go to mypillow.com and use promo code brandon or call 800-976-8379 today hello everyone i'm dennis prager i have a guest and i will introduce him momentarily i will introduce the subject first what happened in afghanistan after we left the number of people who care i think is quite small i was 100 percent opposed to leaving it would be irrelevant to me whether it was Donald Trump or Joe Biden. I don't know if Trump would have done it. He might have. I find every one of these arguments about leaving uh, emotional rather than rational. Like the one, well, what do, what do you expect us to stay there indefinitely? Well, we've stayed in Germany and Japan indefinitely. The world is a better place because of that. We've been in Korea indefinitely. The Korean Peninsula, and therefore Asia, is more stable thanks to that fact. I don't quite understand why there should be a built-in time limit if you're already there. It was, it was a catastrophic move on the part of the Biden administration, if you wish to say regime, given the political prisoners in America. It would be the first time in my life I would allow the term regime to be used for an American government. There's a Canadian journalist who has spent time in Afghanistan, Dan Brotman. He's reporting about that and the consequences of the American withdrawal. He's now in Portugal. And I welcome Dan Brotman to the Dennis Prager Show. Thanks for having me, Dennis. And I'd just like to correct you. I'm actually American living in Canada. All right. That is a very fair correction. I got the impression that you were Canadian, which makes sense given that that's pretty much where your work has been published, correct? Correct. I have been an expat for most of my adult life, and I moved to Canada two and a half years ago, but I'm originally from the Boston area. That's worth leaving. (laughs) <laughs> As I have told people on many occasions, and this is this is a completely ego-free statement, the only airport in America no one ever came over for a selfie was Logan Airport in Boston. I can <laughs> I can truly walk around Boston incognito. <laughs> the the reach of uh, of me and PragerU there is is minimal. It's a it's another world, Boston. Okay, anyway. What prompted you to go to Afghanistan? 
So I'm an adventure traveler um, and I really like going to countries that the media depicts in a negative light so I can go see for myself what the real situation is on the ground. I've been to North Korea, Iran, Iraq. Um, and again, it's not for the adrenaline, it's really to educate myself. When we hear about these countries in the media, we often hear about their horrible governments, but we never hear about the people on the ground and how they're getting by day to day. And I Uh oh. Or company, young pup. Wait, he's freezing up. Well, I'm sorry, Dan. We I have, can hear you perfectly. Yeah, but we can't hear you perfectly. You, you froze up twice. Okay, let's give it another try, and then maybe we'll have to get it non-videoed. All right, so you, you go to all these countries to see how the people are living. Continue. Correct. And I received an invitation uh, to go to Afghanistan uh, with a gr an adventure tour company, Young Pioneer Tours, um, and they were bringing back six tourists. It was their first group back. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, retook power. All right. We'll we'll have to take we'll have to figure out a clear away, Sean. I'm I'm sorry, folks. Is it Skype, uh, Sean? Is that is that what we're on? Yeah. All right. We'll we'll, ha we'll take a break in in a moment. That's a he's a pretty gutsy guy. There there are places I wouldn't go, and I've been to 131 countries. I've been to Syria, Lebanon, Jordan. Egypt, uh, Syria was, I guess, the, the most quote-unquote exotic of those in terms of places people don't tend to visit. But that was a long time ago. I would not, I personally would not go to Iraq, but that's partially because I, I would be, I might well be a target. And uh, I nevertheless, I was invited to Afghanistan actually by a charity that runs a hospital there. I thought it was too dangerous in light of my prominence as both an American and a Jew. And sure enough, a father and son visiting the very same place were then shot. Hello, I'm Dennis Prager. This is the male-female hour, second hour of the show every Wednesday. Perhaps, probably the most honest talk about men and women in the media. And as I remind you each week, I'm not a man fan or a woman fan. I'm a good person fan. And they come in both sexes. And yes, there are only two sexes. Or if you will, only two genders. There is no amount of repetition of the absurdity that there are more than two genders that will enable me to ever say, what is a patent lie? But it shows you the ability to have people say anything that people say with a straight face. There are more than two genders. There is nothing, I am convinced, that you cannot have people believe and say in great numbers. Nothing. All you need is a massive dose of media, and it works. If people can say with a straight face that there are 57 genders, then they can say anything with a straight face. 
topic today is actually a, a, I hope and I believe, will be a helpful one. And it is one of those times where I react to you rather than you reacting to me. So call in immediately if the following took place in your marriage. Your marriage was headed downhill. Or, to mix the metaphors, it was an uphill battle. (laughs) It was an uphill battle, but it was going downhill. How it could be both uh, is not answerable. And it turned around, and now you have a good marriage. How did you turn it around? And I need a, I need as specific a response as possible. One eight Prager seven seven six. Please understand that you might save a marriage by calling in and answering the question. How or what? turned your marriage around when it was clearly headed in a bad direction. 1-8-Prager-776-877-243-777-6. I have not done, I don't think I have done a show on this specific topic, except insofar as I believe, I don't know if I did a whole hour, But I know that I've covered the subject on the male-female hour if there was an infidelity involved and your marriage survived it. What what took place to make that possible? I want to make clear I am not at all focusing on an infidelity here. Most marriages that end did not end because somebody was unfaithful. Or if there was an infidelity, it was all, it followed rather than precipitated the marriage in decline. It was not the reason for the decline. The infidelity was a symptom of the decline or a product of the decline. So I'm not talking about infidelity as such. I want to know your marriage was really headed in a bad direction and you turned it around. The help that you will uh, be offering uh, to people is tremendous. 877-243-7776 or 1-8-Prager-776. And if you turned it around, did you turn it around? Did you both turn it around? Was it somebody changing a specific behavior? Was it both of you changing certain behaviors? As I am really interested in hearing from you, and I am, I am certain that, as I said, you can help somebody by doing this. I would like to know the mechanics. Did you sit down one day with your spouse and say, you know, at the rate we're going, the, this marriage may dissolve? So we better we better work on it. Was it helped by marital therapy? I do wonder about that. I have no I have no answer. 
What I do know is that virtually every couple that divorces did try marital therapy. So I don't know the batting average of marital therapists. Wouldn't you like to know that? (laughs) What percentage of troubled marriages do, uh, and I'm not laughing at at the therapists, I'm laughing at at the question, do they really help? In fact, you can perhaps ask, do they do they ever hurt a marriage? Do they make it clear? I know that many therapists will say, "Look, uh, I'm not here to save your marriage. I'm here to make your ending it uh, as healthy as possible." Which, by the way, I believe on occasion is the appropriate attitude of a therapist. I'm going to help you divorce more peacefully. It just may be too far gone. Who knows what what you did? So let's see here. I know all the lines are taken. So I'll just begin with uh, the one I see. St. Joseph, Michigan. Candace, hello. Hi, Dennis. Uh, always good to talk to you. You and I stood on the deck together and went through the Panama Canal. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've had a great trip. Uh, anyway, my first marriage was absolutely spectacular to a wonderful, wonderful man, but we had our problems, and we talked about it and said, do we want to go into our later years unhappy? And no. So we had a tremendous uh, counselor who just helped us. We read a book called Harville Hendricks, Getting the Love You Want. Uh, my husband was a divorce lawyer. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and he ended up handing that book out. I He died. What was the, again, what was the name of the book? Uh, Getting the Love You Want okay. by Harville Hendricks. And then his subsequent book was Keeping the Love You Find. And they're, bo- they're just wonderful, simple practical solutions for people who think they're done hmm. um uh, a, a way to get a way to get back who and recommended then, the he, book to you um our counselor uh actually i actually heard it on oprah winfrey as well yeah she introduced she actually had harville hendrick on her show it's it's a really it's a wonderful guide um so the, and, had you read the book would you have needed the counselor I don't know that. I don't know that. I only know that the counselor was absolutely superb. Uh, just a, a All right, so give us an example of something that changed. Uh, well, for instance, um, I, I would, uh, my husband would come home from a long day at the office, and I would just, you know, light into him immediately with everything that had gone wrong. In, in the day with the kids were horrible and this and that. And, and of course he, he just couldn't face anymore. And, uh, you know, he'd already had a hard day and the counselor said, um, you know, he knows you're going to, he's going to get this when he comes through the door. So he puts up his defenses and communication ended. So he said, you know, it's fair for you to say, I've had a rough day. There are some things I'd like to talk to you about. When would be a good time? Right, hold on. That's fast. I, that's what I need to hear, folks. As many specifics as possible. 
Male, female, hour, 1-8-Prager-776. The Dennis Prager Show. Hello, everybody. Male, female, hour. What turned your marriage around for the better? It's a fantastic subject. You may truly... We already have one suggestion that was a big deal in, in one individual's life. So Candace's marriage was turned around, and one suggestion which she, I guess, adopted, was not greeting her husband immediately with the problems of the day. Is that a fair summary? Yes, absolutely. Okay. It, it was, well, yeah. Is, is there a second thing you, you can tell us that turned the marriage around? Um, well, there were, there were many. I mean, again, reading that book, was uh, gave us all kinds of excellent suggestions for um, viewing things diff- from a different perspective, um, softening our, our position. The book was actually written by him for people who mar- came to him believing their marriages were done, finished. Wow. And he, he, he had to find a way to get people to at least consider the possibility that, that there was hope. So, um, but then I did. I married a second time, and um, and that was a totally different. Wait, uh, wait, wait! I don't understand. Well, my husband died. Oh, okay, yeah. That, well, that's pretty important, uh, and I'm sorry about that. Okay, I'm going to let you go. I thank you for that, and we have a line open. What turned your marriage around? All right, and let's see here. Columbus, Ohio. Tom, hello. Yes, sir. How are you? Thank okay. you so much. Thank you. Um, you uh, you really push men to be a better man and uh, better husbands, and I really Thank appreciate you. it. I, I really want to do that. Thank you. So we've been married for 15 years. Um, lots of ups and downs. Most of the times they were downs. Um, I was in the military, so it was mm-hmm. deployments were, were difficult. Yep. And But I know it's cliche that everybody says communication but it really is key. First and foremost, a God-centered marriage. You have to have a God-centered marriage. I mean, that's, uh, I think that's one of the most important things that, that people need to have. And then the second is communication, not only, um, not only uh, speaking, but understanding, listening, um, and uh, portraying that to your spouse that you understood what they say, you know, that, that, that you're, you're taking into consideration what they're saying. Um, we went through marriage counseling, and they gave us this thing called the Imago Dialogue, and it is basically um, if I give her, I, I'm angry that you put the dishes in the dishwasher wrong. Her response wouldn't be, well, that's just the way that I like it. Her response would be, okay, what I'm understanding or hearing from you is that you don't like how I put the dishes in the dishwasher. Learning how to talk to your spouse, knowing your spouse's love language, and how to speak that to them. Well, guide me through that one. I I totally believe in what you're saying. But I I don't quite get... So you said, let's let's say it would be you say to her or she say to you, I don't like the way you put the dishes in the dishwasher, correct? Correct. And, and then and the then, other one says, so I hear you saying you don't like the way I put dishes in the dishwasher. It, 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 it doesn't strike me as real. 
Of course, you, that's what you heard. That's what she said. Yes, it's it's uh, it seems simple and it seems dumb when you're initially doing it, but like we just did it in marriage counseling um, a couple weeks ago, and her um, her outlook on things made a total 180 from when we first went into the office. We we left uh, understanding each other, so it's it is showing them that. You hear what they're saying, and you understand what they're saying, and you're, you know, you're taking it to heart. Right. Okay. So really, okay. So if I hear you correctly, you use the dishwasher as an example, but in reality, someone has said something more complex, and I don't like the way you put the dishes in the dishwasher. And then you're saying, so let me get it straight. This is what you said. By the way, thank you. I just want you all to know, uh, and and. It will resonate with many of you if you are regular listeners. I often say to guests on my show, allow me to summarize what you said. And I say for two reasons. One is for the audience's sake, for their benefit. And one is to make sure that I heard you correctly. And I'm not married to my guests And it's not done for relationship reasons. It is just done to make sure I heard it right. So there is is something to be said about that in in any relationship, including interviewer-interviewee. This is what I heard you say. Sometimes it will happen. The person says, well, you, you got it almost all right, but I just want to correct one thing. That's important. So I, I actually subscribe to that. Okay, uh, Tom in uh, St. John's, Michigan. I don't know why we have that many Michigan calls today, but that's fine. Hi. Hello, Dennis. Hope you're having a great day. I always do, thank <laughs> um, God. Yeah. Yes. Um, on what the gentleman said about God-centered, I would I would say my wife and I always believed in God. We weren't always walking in, in the way we were supposed to. Um, lot, there was some infidelity early on in our marriage on both sides. Um, but we had children and we, uh, strongly believe that divorce was not an option, um, because of, you know, God's laws and that, uh, we would not, have our children growing up in a, you know, separate household. I refused to wake up in a house where I couldn't look in on my children when they were sleeping. And that forced us to work things out, no matter how ugly All right, when we come back, I'm keeping you on. Give me one example. That's what I need from you folks, examples. Back in a moment. This is a red alert for hardworking Americans who are tired of seeing their freedoms and savings threatened by the globalist agenda. Wealth Protection Research is on a mission to find whistleblowers who are exposing the schemes that threaten your financial security. We're talking about real patriotic financial warriors like Jim Rickards and Porter Stansberry. They're not afraid to tell it like it is, exposing how the system is rigged against you. Text IDEAS to 76626 to find out more. With the 2024 election story, 
storming our way, your IRA and your 401k appear to be in the crosshairs. That's why we've compiled our three favorite ideas from Freethinkers. Don't wait for a knock on your door telling you it's too late. Get this critical report. Text IDEAS to 76626. The fight for your financial freedom is on. Text IDEAS to 76626 now for your free report. That's IDEAS to 76626. Standard text and data rates may apply. Male, female hour, what turned your marriage around if it was really headed south? No, no, uh, there's no south phobia here. Just it's a term that people use. So where was I? Okay, I was with Tom in Michigan. So you're, uh, you, you guys, both of you had uh, uh, committed infidelities in the early years of the marriage. Is that correct? Correct. Right, but you didn't want divorce because you had children. So I, I assume one decision was no more infidelity. <laughs> Is that fair? Correct. Yeah, okay. Correct. But that's not enough. So give me one more example of something you did that... Well, well let me ask you this. Right now, is is it a good marriage? It's better than I could ever have imagined. Um, I, w- I would... I would have to say that uh, um, I've never been happier, um, and uh, I think what turned it around for us was the crash in '08. Uh, we became seriously financially strapped and <clears throat> were, you know, concerned about losing everything. I was in a business that was construction related in Michigan, which was tanking long before '08, but uh, the the construction business was, um, but, uh, we, um, all those small things that you argue about go away when you're just trying to keep the roof over the head and, you know, the essentials in life and, and still trying to, you know, allow your kids to play sports and all those things that cost money. You make, you know, the personal sacrifices that you need to and for their well-being. As You're right, well. but why did this improve your marriage? Because we quit looking at those little things that the other one did that, you know, you can have 20 little things that that person does and on one day, you know, one of those 20 things pops up and you machine gun them with all 20 things that have been bothering you, and uh, you learn to overlook those. Um, That's a big one. I thank you. That's a biggie. That's why I have a chapter in my happiness book, not related to marriage, having a perspective. If you can't think, if you can't keep things in perspective, you cannot be happy, whether it is maritally or just you. That's right. It's generally worth overlooking the stuff that bugs you. It is not possible that there there is n- that nothing will bug you. So you just go, of course, it's, it's part of the human condition because everybody is unique. That was a good suggestion. I thank you for that. Well, here's a biggie. Patsy in Greenville, South Carolina. Hello. 
Hey, Dennis, how are you? Well, thank you. Okay, did I ask me a question or let me tell you? you My tell- husband and I were married and he, he he's diagnosed as bipolar 1. And it took perseverance for me to realize that his moods have nothing to do with me. Wow. It's all him and his outbursts and all those things. I just have to ignore them. And then we, how it turned around is when he wasn't manic, I could say, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. And we have to be able to talk about these things when you're not in that state. When someone's in a state, a manic state, you cannot talk to them. Did did he acknowledge this? Oh, yeah. He's here. You're on speaker. So, yeah, he acknowledges it. It took a few years, and he got rid of the psychiatrist, and that helped. (laughs) And the drugs. Uh, Wow. So what, what helped with the bipolarity, if not drugs and a psychiatrist? Talking. When he's not manic is the key. <laughs> we talk all day. Wait, all so day wait, wait, wait. His problems are when he's manic, not when he's depressed? Well, yeah, he does depression too, but it's not, the de- it's different when someone, when they're raging, you know. When oh, so raging. you call the raging, I you would call that the manic phase? Yes. I see. Wow. This is why I love my job. I get I get to enter so many people's lives. I salute you both. Hello, my friends. I'm Dennis Prager. Yesterday, I devoted the entire day to appearing at the legislative committee of the uh, Arizona Legislature at the state capitol in Phoenix, Arizona. Where, by the way, and it is a by the way, but it is worthy of note, it was 119 degrees. Oh, my gosh. 119 degrees. How did you not faint? No, my mic is on. Now it is. Ah, yes. Sean. Punishment room. Okay. He's not going in. We'll, We'll have to deal with it. Uh, 119 is is a serious temperature, but uh, it was worth it, and I am going to uh, play for you in a moment the speech that I gave in the Arizona legislature hearing. It was about Arizona State University uh, and the 37 or 34, depending on how you count it, Professors who objected to my and Charlie Kirk's going, being invited to speak there, doing everything they could to dissuade students from going. And I had to endure the word salad of ASU, Arizona State University officials, who in the course of their time just spoke about Arizona State's commitment to free speech. Right. Seth Leibson, who made this possible, he invited and made, made sure I was there. My my friend, my colleague uh, uh, in Phoenix on Salem Radio in Phoenix, uh, it, he he noted that in the Soviet Union, the Soviet Constitution also guaranteed free speech. 
So the notion that Arizona State University signed the University of Chicago principles on free speech means nothing. It means nothing. And uh, I very rarely play speeches of mine on my show. I'm with Julie Hartman. We're doing periodically uh, third hours together. And anyway, you obviously were not there. You didn't hear this, so you you will have your own spontaneous reactions. I intend to put this up on on as many websites as possible. I would like it to go viral. As you can tell when you will eventually hear me, I I was angry. And as somebody noted, you very rarely hear somebody on the right who let lo- lets loose on the left. They're very polite on the right. And uh, I'm polite too. But they're despicable. So here's an interesting one little sidebar. So there were, I, I think, as many Democrats as Republicans in, in the... Uh, uh, from the Arizona legislature in the room. And one of them was shocked that I called these professors lowlifes. They said I was a white nationalist. This Jew is a Nazi. That did not bother them. But that I called them lowlifes, mm-hmm. which is not exactly Nazi, this really disturbed her. The... The reactions, by the way, not one of them asked me a question. Every speaker was asked questions except me. And I know why. They're afraid of me, just as all 37 professors are. And I said that. They would, none of them would debate me. And I, it's a public challenge. I will go right back to Arizona if any of them debate me. Okay, so here we go. My speech yesterday in the Arizona State Legislature. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me. If you could uh, introduce yourself and... uh, Yeah, I am. I I began with hi, everybody. (laughs) It's a talk show host uh, habit. My name is Dennis Prager, and I am... By the way, you could watch this on years. I have been a radio talk show host with a national show, so I believe... Among other things, I'm of the longest ongoing talk show in America, which is relevant because if I were a purveyor of hate, it's odd to imagine I would have been on for 40 years and continue to be on. And uh, it's also relevant because I believe I have talked with, not to, but with more people than any living human being. It's not a boast. It's just a statement of, I come to my views on life having actually talked with vast numbers of people from every background. There are people who are transgender who call my show, not to mention every other group that one can uh, imagine. The reason they feel free to is because they know I will not insult them, and because I believe it is so critical to have my show open to anyone the antithesis of what these 37 professors believe. I will come to them momentarily. I'm also the co-founder of Prager University, or PragerU, which has over a billion views a year, mostly of young people. 
We have uh, been the recipient of many attempts to suppress us on YouTube. The last time I was at a panel like this was in Washington uh, prior to uh, the lockdowns, and it was on it was on YouTube and Google. Google owns YouTube, suppressing some of my own videos on PragerU. We have about 600 five-minute videos. They come out every week. I have done one-tenth of them. Nine-tenths are done by others. Among mine are 11 on the Ten Commandments. And one of them was, in fact, suppressed by Google. The Google representative, the YouTube Google man, was there in the Senate committee, Senator Ted Cruz asked him, why did you suppress, why did you put Mr. Prager's video, why did you take it off the, uh, why did you put it on the restricted list so that children couldn't see it, libraries couldn't see it, schools couldn't see it, and he said with a straight face, because it mentions murder. So when it was my turn to speak, I said, we will now put out a Google-friendly Ten Commandments and remove thou shalt not murder. We will have a Nine Commandments video that will pass muster. It is the level of attempts to suppress that gives you the the absurdity to which uh, the left goes. And there is a reason I say the left. A, because I do not include liberals. Liberals do not hold leftist values. uh, And uh, there is nothing in common between leftism and liberalism. Liberals believe in Uh, Racial integration, leftists believe in racial segregation, like all the black dorms and black graduations on campuses. No liberal believes in that, only leftists do, and the Ku Klux Klan, for that matter. But I mention the left because there is no instance since the French Revolution of the left allowing free speech. Whether it was the French Revolution, the Russian Revolution, or where I went to graduate school, Columbia University, which is now... Uh, uh, regarded as the most suppressive of free speech of all universities in the country, wherever the left takes over, there is no example in history of the left allowing dissent. So it is not surprising that we are convening on that issue here. If you allow dissent, you're a liberal or you're a conservative. But by definition, you are not a person of the left. So I have found PragerU. I have done my radio show. I've written ten books. I'm writing the fourth volume of a five-volume commentary on the Torah, uh, the uh, the first five books of the Bible, helped by my knowledge of biblical Hebrew. That's a real hater. Guys who write biblical commentaries are known as major haters in our civilization. I have a book on happiness, another classic example of hatred in this country, according to the lies told about me by 37 of your professors, all of whom have disgraced the name of Arizona State University. I will come to that in a moment. My life has been devoted to goodness, period, end of issue. I, that's all I care about, is that people be good to each other. I have no other primary concern. My entire theology is that God wants us to be good, not terribly complex. So therefore, to call me a hater or a white nationalist doesn't bother me because it would be, if I said to any of you, you're a porcupine, you would not be troubled because you know you're not a porcupine. There is a very famous libel in Jewish history, since I've written a book on anti-Semitism. I know this well. 
there, there was a, a libel that uh, Jews would uh, take Christian children and butcher them before Passover to use their blood to bake matzah. It's called the blood libel. It's the most famous libel in history. Jews were murdered on on mass, kicked out of all all the Jews of England were kicked out. All right, we're going to continue. This is my talk yesterday at the Arizona State Legislature. The Dennis Prager Show. I'm playing for you. I'm going to put it up on the internet this week. My speech yesterday at the Arizona State Legislature. The hearings on Arizona State University and freedom of speech at that university, which is publicly funded, obviously, by Arizonans. And I waited, let's see, five hours to speak. And I consider this a very important talk. Let's continue. And it was a very interesting effect it had on Jews. Because then they realized, wow, people really could make up total lies about you and believe it. Every Jew knew that it is not possible to kill a child, use their blood to bake matzah. You can't even drink animal blood, according to the Torah, if you're a Jew. So when I am called a white nationalist, it is equivalent to me of the blood libel. It is a pure, total, vicious lie. Therefore, it only reflects on the people who say it. They are despicable. It is an embarrassment to ASU that these people teach here. So let me read to you, since today is, oh, one moment. My Tuesday column came out today, and it is about the ASU issue. So this is what is in my column. It's at Town Hall. It's at my own website. It will be at Daily Wire, the... uh, Uh, many uh, Jewish uh, journals as well. The charge of my being a white nationalist is as vicious as it is libelous. It would be impossible to find a written word in my 10 books or more than a thousand columns, all available on the internet, or an uttered sentence in 40 years of broadcasting that expresses sympathy with white nationalism. I am a religious Jew who hates white nationalism. The doctrine that murdered two out of every three of Europe's Jews just a few years before I was born. My father, an Orthodox Jew, joined the U.S. Navy and risked his life to fight that evil. As anyone who has heard or read me can testify. The motto of my life, taken from Viktor Frankl's classic Man's Search for Meaning, is that, quote, there are only two races, the decent and the indecent. Unlike the professors and the rest of the left, I divide people by morality, good and bad, not race or class. So given the dishonesty of the smears, why did the 34 or 37 professors condemn ASU for having me come to speak at the university? So I have a theory. I know why, I know exactly why they condemned ASU for inviting me. They fear any conservative coming for 90 minutes. Because in 90 minutes, I can undo four years of the indoctrination that these leftists give their students. They are scared of me, of Charlie Kirk, of Ben Shapiro, of Jordan Peterson, of Heather McDonald. We will undo the garbage, the lies, the fraud, the intellectual idiocies that they purvey 
in 90 minutes. They are, and by the way, they're right. We do undo everything they do in 90 minutes. That's why they're scared to have us. It makes perfect sense. There is no other reason, and I'll prove it to you. I will come here. I live in California. I will come here and debate any one, any three, any ten, all 37, happily, under any circumstance you want. You can have a left-wing moderator, and I'll come and debate. But they won't debate for the same reason they don't come on my radio show. I invite them. I will give them a million listeners. You just give me 200, and they won't do it. They don't debate. They smear. These are vicious. They are the hate people. These are the haters. The 37 are the haters. That's why they didn't come today. They're afraid of this hearing. And they're right. You expose these people, and they be, you, you realize what intellectual and moral lightweights they are. Every single one of them. I looked up every single one of them. I did a lot of homework. It was fun. I actually looked up their bios on, the, on your website. Mm-hmm. On, uh, uh, so I, I listed a few of those. So here's, here's one winner. Forgive me, I have to use the expletive because otherwise, it, look, the ASU website spells it out so I could pronounce it. So here's an example of one of those who signed the, uh, the petition. Dagmar van Engen. Uh, let's see, whose, quote, current project argues that transness is central to queer and feminist science and is the author of How to F*** a Kraken, Cephalopodid Sexualities and Non-Binary Genders in e-book. Oh, excuse me, e-book erotica. Oh, my God. Now, that's something you really want your kid in Arizona to study, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's that. That obviously ASU is proud of this professor. This is described in this in this case their uh, autobiography or some other really critical stuff. David Agris has done research in gender and sexuality studies. Did any of them not do research in gender? Is there any other subject at ASU at Barrett? Post-colonial studies, queer theory and animal studies, filed a lawsuit against Montana State University saying he was denied tenure and fired because he was gay. You think there's a university in this country that would fire you because you're gay? I mean, it's possible, extremely unlikely. Joseph O'Neill recently said it, uh, led a seminar on the, quote, whitewashing of ancient Greece and Rome. Any of you know what that means? Rachel Fedak, whose research interests include feminist ethics, black feminism, abolition, gender, race. This is just a few of the, uh, of the people who signed this. But what is worse is that's, they who, those are the people who teach at an honors college here. So, a few more points worthy of being made. All right, we'll be back with with a few more points. And this is my testimony at the Arizona State Legislature in Phoenix, Arizona yesterday. The Dennis Prager Show. I'm playing for you 
my speech yesterday at the Arizona State Legislature, where there were hearings on freedom of speech at Arizona State University. There should be hearings in every legislature in the country on the public universities there and whether or not they abide by a commitment to free speech. It was a result of the great article in the Wall Street Journal by Ann Atkinson, who lost her job as a result of our coming, our our meaning Charlie Kirk and my. And, well, you'll hear me talk about the Charlie Kirk issue in a moment. 37 professors wrote that condemning ASU for allowing me to speak there. So I finally, after how many hours? About six, five, five hours, I finally got my chance to speak. We continue. See, I covered white nationalism. I quoted debating. I really do. The offer on the debate is a very real one. The author to have them on my radio show. I will give them my million-plus audience to defend their lie, their despicable lie that I am a white nationalist, that this Jew who has fought his life against the goddamn Nazis is a white nationalist. These people are vicious. They are lowlifes. Every one of the 37 is a lowlife. Oh, yes, something... What should be said to these people is what was said to Eugene McCarthy, who, who charged people with being communists who were not communists. He charged some people who are communists with being communists, to be intellectually honest, but he also charged people who were not. And you know how it ended? Somebody looked at him in the Senate and said, have you no shame, sir? Will anybody at ASU say to these 37, have you no shame, sir? Will one of the deans, will one of the God knows thousand in administration, one say, have you no shame? Will anyone here say that? That's cowardice if you don't say that. But cowardice is the human norm. That's why there's so much evil in the world. Because cowardice is the human norm. You know what else they do? They cheapen the fight against real racism. If I am a Nazi, then you can't fight Nazis. You've just cheapened the fight against real Nazis. That's why I hate these people. They have cheapened the fight against real Nazism. They're the haters, for the record. The Democrats sent out a tweet about you, sir. <laughs> what, was the, what was that tweet again? Uh, let me read it for you, sir. Uh, which yeah. ones, House or Senate? No, on, on the, uh, on the uh, free speech issue, that they said it was despicable. That, that you said hate speech is free speech? Yeah, hate speech is free. This is from the Arizona Senate Democrats. Hate speech is free speech, in my opinion. State Senator Anthony Kern chairing the Joint Legislative Ad Hoc Committee on Freedom of Expression at Arizona's public universities. Absolutely despicable. Hashtag AZ yeah, leg. Right. It, they do. So they admit it. They be, Now you know when I said the left has never allowed dissent. They admit it. It is despicable to say hate speech is free speech. A few weeks ago, real Nazis with a real swastika were in front of a Georgia synagogue. The Georgia police said they have free speech to do that, and I agree. And I lost relatives in the Holocaust 
in the United States of America, you can march with a swastika. Because if they can't march, where will you draw the line? And then no line is drawn. That's why. If the Nazis can't speak today, then the, the, the Zionists can't speak tomorrow. That's the way it works, my dear friends, in real life. So yes, all hate speech is free speech. That is correct. That is the way it works in the United States of America. In Europe, it doesn't work that way. In Europe, if you deny the Holocaust, and there is no one lower than a Holocaust denier, those are truly evil human beings. In America, you can deny the Holocaust. In Europe, you go to jail. Can't get more hate speech than denying the Holocaust. This is a better country because of free speech. It is the single biggest reason it is the best country, or was, until the left took over. We'll be back in a moment. So I ask this him. is my speech. I hope you'll send it around. We're going to put it up. For me. Well, I hope this speech goes viral. I gave it yesterday at the Arizona State Legislature on the despicable cowards who said I should never have been invited to Arizona State University. They are. They're all, all, they're all cowards. I have publicized it over and over, including now at the Arizona State Legislature. Why don't you bring me to ASU and debate me? Well, anyway, I'll have more to say about that in the talk. We continue my talk yesterday at the state capitol in Phoenix. I end with this. I ask the, uh, in light of all this, I'd like to ask the ASU, if they're deans, if they're still here, are you proud of this letter? Just curious. Do you think this brought glory to ASU? The lies of these 37, these cowards who hide behind a letter? And of course they intimidated kids. Anne didn't tell you what she wrote, uh, some of the things she wrote in the Wall Street Journal. Kids said to her, I'll come, but make sure that the, uh, the cameras don't show that I was here. Are you proud of that happening at ASU? Kids are afraid to show up at a lecture? You know what Charlie Kirk, the big hater, you know what he talked about? You know what he devoted his whole half hour to? Why he observes the Sabbath, though he is a Christian. His entire talk, the big hater, Charlie Kirk, his whole talk was, you know what? I decided I'm not going to use my cell phone 24 hours a week. And as a Christian, he does it from Friday night to Saturday night, as I, a Jew, do. That's a real hate talk, isn't it? Can't get more hateful than that. Why is ASU not embarrassed by this letter? That's the question. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. Yeah, we definitely want the Q&A. Are we going to do it? Yeah, okay. I appreciate your testimony, and I will be the first, and I'm sure the um, some of the members, not all, but some, will be uh, uh, will, will will be with me in uh, stating to the 37 faculty members: yeah, Is there no shame? Thank you. Is there no shame? ASU? This is a gutsy man. I want to. I want to. No I want to say that members, uh, Senator Kern. Um, I'm not embarrassed. I, I I mean, this has been going on for a while, um, but I will fight tooth and nail 
for your rights and everybody's right in this room um, to speak what they need to speak and to educate our children uh, the right way. So um, does the, any of the members have any questions for Mr. Parker? It was fascinating. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Parker, thank no, you for being here today. None of the today. leftist um, You had mentioned, you know, the, the haters. Why, if, if, the le if, the, if leftists think that we're so wrong... Won't other people think it, too, if they just get exposed to it? Why would they try to prevent us from going? I said they're afraid of us. They're not afraid because we're bad. The bad hate the good, and they hate us because we're better. But even if, they don't, if, if you don't accept that view, why won't they debate us? If I am an anti-intellectual white nationalist, wouldn't it be a service to ASU and to the country to take me down? I got a giant website. I had a giant radio show. I, I was the number one Amazon seller, when, when, uh, number two, excuse me, in the country when, when my last, or my, 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 the first of my Bible books came out. Wouldn't it be one of the great services that he could, any of these people could offer to the country to take me down intellectually? They can't and they know it. They stand for nothing. These people are empty. How to f*** a Kraken? ASU is proud of that as a book written by one of the people at the Honors College? Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, any questions at all? I have a couple, sir, if you don't mind. Um, so you were at the event. Uh, ASU has said, well, we let the event go on, um, which in their mind is free speech. Um, what are what were your observations at that event? What did you? What well, did you first, I don't know that just to be true. The audience was in the dark. I, I don't mean intellectually, uh, physically, <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I assume that at least half were were older than college or graduate school age. I think a lot of look. Charlie Kirk has has the largest college organization uh, of a uh, period. I have the uh, PragerU is the largest. Uh, young people organization or viewership in the world. Uh, when I go to colleges and when he goes, we get very big turnouts. So clearly they were intimidated here. I mean, it is, it is obvious. Yep. Thank you. So it reminds me of a, of a riddle. My, my field of study was the left. Uh, I was at the Russian Institute at Columbia University in my graduate work. I learned Russian. I went to communist countries regularly. I never thought I would be studying the American future. I just thought I was studying the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe. They, so I, I specialized uh, in, in those areas, and I loved Soviet dissident humor because it's bitter and true. So there was an old joke, uh, here, uh, a Soviet dissident joke. In Russia, you have, in Soviet Union, you have freedom of speech. In America, you have freedom after speech. Uh, that's, that's so, yeah, there's freedom of speech here, but there's not much freedom after speech because you pay a price for going to uh, a lecture given by a conservative, and the kids know it. Thank you, Mr. Parker. One last question. Um, I'm looking at the faculty petition here and the 37 signers uh, on that, and they uh, it links a lot of... Um, different issues, racial justice, LGBTQ community, women's rights, um, you know, a, a, a lot of this. 
you know, and, and, and they promote it. I'll just read this. It says, and these are the 37 faculty um, members that have no shame. Uh, it says, while we applaud and support the work our faculty colleagues have performed in developing the Lewis Center's academic curriculum, um, there, uh, let me see, our concerns about the intellectual value of Lewis Center's public programming are longstanding. We have object- objected to speakers brought to campus to promote topics ranging from uh, fraudulent uh, speed reading methods to anti-scientific claims about effective medicine that do not reflect the commitment. I, I won't keep reading, but... I- one thing I thought it's funny how the left uses the term free speech to suppress free speech. In other words, this petition. All right. Um, Final segment coming up. The Dennis Prager Show. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial free every single day become a member of Pragertopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at Pragertopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.